chapter sixteen part two of supplements to the first book second half the doctrine of the abstract idea or thinking from the world as will and idea volume two by arthur schopenhauer translated by r b haldane and j kemp this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine the doctrine of the idea of perception chapter sixteen on the practical use of reason and on stoicism part two accordingly the fundamental thought of cynicism is that life in its simplest and nakedest form with the hardships that belong to it by nature is the most endurable and is therefore to be chosen for every assistance convenience gratification and pleasure by means of which men seek to make life more agreeable only brings with it new and greater ills than originally belonged to it therefore we may regard the following sentence as the expression of the kernel of the doctrine of cynicism diogenes evoa polakis legon tanton anthropon vian radian upo ton theon dedosai apokekrufai de autan zitunton melepicta kaimura kaita paraplicia that is diogenes clamabat saipius hominum vitam facilem adis dari verum ocutari ilam quaerentibus melita cibaria unguenta et hissimilia and further deon antiton achriston panon tuscata fusin elomenus zin eudaimonos paratin anoian cacodaimonusi tan auton caractira tu viu legon diex agen anper kai iraclis unden eleutherias proprinon that is cum igitur repudiatis in utilibus laboribus naturales in sequi ac vivere beate debeamus persumam dementiam infelices sumus eandem vitae formam quam hercules se vivere affirmans nihil libertati praeferens therefore the old genuine cynics antisthenes diogenes crates and their disciples had once for all renounced every possession all conveniences and pleasures in order to escape for ever from the troubles and cares the dependence and the pains which are inevitably bound up with them and are not counterbalanced by them through the bare satisfaction of the most pressing wants and the renunciation of everything superfluous they thought they would come off best accordingly they contented themselves with what in athens or corinth was to be had almost for nothing such as lupines water an old threadbare cloak a wallet and a staff they begged occasionally as far as was necessary to supply such wants but they never worked yet they accepted absolutely nothing that exceeded the wants referred to above independence in the widest sense was their aim they occupied their time in resting going about talking with all men and much mocking laughing and joking their characteristic was carelessness and great cheerfulness since now in this manner of life they had no aims of their own no purposes or ends to pursue thus were lifted above the sphere of human action and at the same time always enjoyed complete leisure 
they were admirably fitted as men of proved strength of mind to be the advisers and admonishers of the rest therefore apuleius says crates ut la familiaris apud homines suae aetatis cultus est nulla domus ei unquam clausa erat nec erat patris familias tam absconditum secretum quin eo tempestive crates interveniret litium omnium et jugiorum interprompinquos disceptator et arbiter thus in this as in so many other respects they show a great likeness to the mendicant friars of modern times that is to the better and more genuine among them whose ideal may be seen in the capuchin cristoforo in manzoni's famous romance yet this resemblance lies only in the effects not in the cause they agree in the result but the fundamental thought of the two is quite different with the friars as with the sinyasis who are akin to them it is an aim which transcends life but with the cynics it is only the conviction that it is easier to reduce their wishes and their wants to the minimum than to attain to the maximum in their satisfaction which indeed is impossible for with their satisfaction the wishes and wants grow ad infinitum therefore in order to reach the goal of all ancient ethics the greatest happiness possible in this life they took the path of renunciation as the shortest and easiest othen kaiton kunisman erikasin suntomon aretin odon that is unde kinismum dixere compendiosam ad virtutem viam the fundamental difference between the spirit of cynicism and that of asceticism comes out very clearly in the humility which is essential to the ascetic but is so foreign to the cynic that on the contrary he is distinguished beyond everything else for pride and scorn sapiens uno minor est jove dives liber honoratus pulcher rex denique regum Horus. on the other hand the view of life held by the cynics agrees in spirit with that of j j rousseau as he expounds it in the discours sur l'origine de l'onigalité for he also would wish to lead us back to the crude state of nature and regards the reduction of our wants to the minimum as the surest path to happiness for the rest the cynics were exclusively practical philosophers at least no account of their theoretical philosophy is known to me now the stoics proceeded from them in this way they changed the practical into the theoretical they held that the actual dispensing with everything that can be done without is not demanded but that it is sufficient that we should regard possessions and pleasures constantly as dispensable and as held in the hand of chance for then the actual deprivation of them if it should chance to occur would neither be unexpected nor fall heavily one might always have and enjoy everything only one must ever keep present the conviction of the worthlessness and dispensableness of these good things on the one hand and of their uncertainty and perishableness on the other and therefore prize them all very little and be always ready to give them up nay more he who must actually dispense with these things in order not to be moved by them thereby shows that in his heart he holds them to be truly good things which one must put quite out of sight if one is not to long after them the wise man on the other hand knows that they are not good things at all but rather perfectly indifferent things adiaphora in any case proigmena therefore if they present themselves he will accept them 
but yet is always ready to let them go again if chance to which they belong should demand them back for they are ton uk ephimin in this sense epictetus chapter seven says that the wise man like one who is landed from a ship etc will also let himself be comforted by a wife or a child but yet will always be ready whenever the captain calls to let them go again thus the stoics perfected the theory of equanimity and independence at the cost of the practice for they reduced everything to a mental process and by arguments such as are presented in the first chapter of epictetus sophisticated themselves into all the amenities of life but in doing so they left out of account that everything to which one is accustomed becomes a need and therefore can only be given up with pain that the will does not allow itself to be played with cannot enjoy without loving the pleasures that a dog does not remain indifferent if one draws a piece of meat through its mouth and neither does a wise man if he is hungry and that there is no middle path between desiring and renouncing but they believed that they satisfied their principles if sitting at a luxurious roman table they left no dish untasted yet at the same time protested that they were each and all of them mere proigmena not agatha or in plain english if they eat drank and were merry yet gave no thanks to god for it all but rather made fastidious faces and persisted in boldly asserting that they gained nothing whatever from the whole feast this was the expedient of the stoics they were therefore mere braggarts and stand to the cynics in much the same relation as well-fed benedictines and augustines stand to franciscans and capuchins now the more they neglected practice the more they refined the theory i shall here add a few proofs and supplementary details to the exposition of it given at the close of our first book if we search in the writings of the stoics which remain to us all of which are unsystematically composed for the ultimate ground of that irrefragible equanimity which is unceasingly demanded of us we find no other than the knowledge that the course of the world is entirely independent of our will and consequently that the evil which befalls us is inevitable if we have regulated our claims by a correct insight into this then mourning rejoicing fearing and hoping are follies of which we are no longer capable further especially in the commentaries of arian it is surreptitiously assumed that all that is uk ephimin that is does not depend upon us is at once also upros imas that is does not concern us yet it remains true that all the good things of life are in the power of chance and therefore whenever it makes use of this power to deprive us of them we are unhappy if we have placed our happiness in them from this unworthy fate we are in the opinion of the stoics delivered by the right use of reason by virtue of which we regard all these things never as ours but only as lent to us for an indefinite time only thus can we never really lose them therefore seneca says siquid humanarum rerum varietas posit cogitaverit ante quam sincerit and diogenes laertius isande estitocat aretin zin tocat emperian ton fuse sum vai non ton zin that is secundum virtutem vivere idem est quod secundum experientiam eorum quae secundum naturam acidunt vivere the passage in arian's discourses of epictetus is particularly in point here 
and especially as a proof of what i have said in this reference in section sixteen of the first volume the passage tutogar estito aetian tois anthropois panton ton kakon totas prolipses tas koinas mi dunasthai epharmadzein tois epi merus that is haec enim causa est hominibus omnium marlorum quod anticipationes generales rebus singularibus accommodare non possunt similarly the passage in marcus aurelius four twenty nine ei zenas cosmu o mi norizon ta en auto anta uh itan zenas kai o mi norizon ta gignomena that is if he is a stranger to the universe who does not know what is in it no less is he a stranger who does not know how things go on in it also seneca's eleventh chapter de tranquillitate animi is a complete proof of this view the opinion of the stoics amounts on the whole to this that if a man has watched for a while the juggling illusion of happiness and then loses his reason he must recognize both the rapid changes of the dice and the intrinsic worthlessness of the counters and therefore must henceforth remain unmoved taken generally the stoical point of view may be thus expressed our suffering always arises from the want of agreement between our wishes and the course of the world therefore one of these two must be changed and adapted to the other since now the course of things is not in our power uc ephimin, we must direct our volitions and desires according to the course of things for the will alone is ephimin this adaptation of volition to the course of the external world thus to the nature of things is very often understood under the ambiguous kata fusin zin see the discourses of epictetus two seventeen twenty one twenty two seneca also denotes his point of view epistle one nineteen when he says nihil interest utrum non decideres an habeas sumarei in utroque est eadem non torqueberis also cicero by the words solum habere vele summa dementia est similarly arian ugar ecplirose ton epithumumenon eleutheria parasquadzitai ala anascui tis epithumias that is non enim explendis desideriis libertas comparatur sed tolenda cupiditate the collected quotations in the historia philosophiae graeco romanae of ritter and preller may be taken as proofs of what i have said in the place referred to above about the homologumenos zin of the stoics also the saying of seneca epistle thirty one and again epistle seventy four perfecta virtus est aequalitas et tenor vitae per omnia consonansibi the following passage of seneca's indicates the spirit of the stoa generally epistle ninety two quid est beata vita securitas et perpetua tranquillitas hanc dabit animi magnitudo dabit constantia bene judicati tenax a systematical study of the stoics will convince everyone that the end of their ethics like that of the ethics of cynicism from which they sprang is really nothing else than a life as free as possible from pain and therefore as happy as possible 
whence it follows that the stoical morality is only a special form of eudemonism it is not like the indian the christian and even the platonic ethics a metaphysical tendency a transcendental end but a completely imminent end attainable in this life the steadfast serenity ataraxia and unclouded happiness of the wise man whom nothing can disturb yet it cannot be denied that the later stoics especially arians sometimes lose sight of this end and show a really ascetic tendency which is to be attributed to the christian and oriental spirit in general which was then already spreading if we consider closely and seriously the goal of stoicism that ataraxia we find in it merely a hardening and insensibility to the blow of fate which a man attains to because he keeps ever present to his mind the shortness of life the emptiness of pleasure the instability of happiness and has also discerned that the difference between happiness and unhappiness is very much less than our anticipation of both is wont to represent but this is yet no state of happiness it is only the patient endurance of sufferings which one has foreseen as irremediable yet magnanimity and worth consist in this that one should bear silently and patiently what is irremediable in melancholy peace remaining always the same while others pass from rejoicing to despair and from despair to rejoicing accordingly one may also conceive of stoicism as a spiritual hygiene in accordance with which just as one hardens the body against the influences of wind and weather against fatigue and exertion one has also to harden one's mind against misfortune danger loss injustice malice perfidy arrogance and the folly of men a remark further kathikanta of the stoics which cicero translates officia signify as nearly as possible obligenheiten or that which it befits the occasion to do english incumbencies italian qualce tocca a me di fare o di laschiare thus what it behooves a reasonable man to do finally the pantheism of the stoics though absolutely inconsistent with many an exhortation of arian is most distinctly expressed by seneca quid est deus mens universi quid est deus quod vides totum et quod non vides totum sic demun magnitudo sua illi reditur qua nihil maius excogitari potest si solus est omnia opus sum et extra et intratenet end of chapter sixteen recording by expatriate in bangor maine